Today's podcast is brought to you by the new HBO series, Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons. The new show will feature intimate conversations with compelling guests from the worlds of pop culture, sports, entertainment, the arts, and technology. Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons will also include field segments and Simmons' signature commentary on current events. Make sure to watch Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons, premiering Wednesday, June 22nd at 10 p.m. on HBO. We're also brought to you by our new website, TheRinger.com, presented by Miller Lite. Go now and check out the latest in pop culture, sports, and tech at TheRinger.com. And last but not least, I wanted to mention our presenting sponsor, SeatGeek, the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. Other sites have gone back to that same old tactic of showing you a lower price and then charging huge fees at checkout. But at SeatGeek, the price you see is always the price you pay. With SeatGeek, there's no guesswork. You'll know exactly how much you're paying, where you're sitting, and whether or not you're getting a good deal all right from your phone. So drop your old site and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Welcome to the unnamed Ringer Wrestling Podcast. Next week, after Money in the Bank, the official naming the podcast classic tournament begins. <laughs> there will be a 16-name bracket. Uh, I'm sitting in a room here with my good friend Dan St. Germain and the entire Ringer Podcast committee uh, who are just all staring at us strangely. I was saying, I'm, I'm so excited. There's a desk this time. There's a table. I know. The last time Dan was here, we had two rolly chairs. Yeah. and uh, we it was had like a, a couple FEMA of shelter in here. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, the 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 ringer the ringer podcast team is taking over the world. It's yeah. a new world order. The um yeah, it's a much better studio now, and uh, and we have so many exciting wrestling things to talk about at early oh, early huge. on this Tuesday morning. Well, we should start out. I just want to start out by saying, like, I got so because. I thought when you said let's watch the first Money in the Bank 2010, right? I, I thought you meant the whole 2010 pay per view, <laughs> and but you actually meant the first Money in the Bank match. I mean, just the match, and, and man, you would have saved us three hours of one of the worst pay per views. Like it was such a bad. The 2010 first Money in the Bank pay per view was so rough, and I, I'm not one of these guys who shits on like wrestling all the time. No, but it I was it was it rough. was really bad. So. I mean, for for anybody that doesn't understand, we've been going back with I've been going back with my guests and watching some sort of flashback match or show every every week in preparation to have some little side discussion and and I was like, well, Money in the Bank is coming up. Let's watch the first Money in the Bank and just just did 2010 because it was the first pay per view. Yeah, and then you really undersold it. At some point over the weekend, I just texted you and I was like, sorry, buddy, I screwed up. We should really have watched the 2005 Money in the Bank match at WrestleMania. <laughs> and then I felt really terrible, so I watched both as well. <laughs> it was rough. That one was. I mean, that it was almost like you see that pay per view and you're like, oh, I get what CM Punk was talking about. Yeah. Like that's what the like whole what the, what the was pipe bomb be. was in, re- in reaction to. It was that pay per view. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, it's funny because there's there. It's easy to ha- you could like turn that on and like you know clean up your apartment and it wouldn't seem that bad. You know, if right? At any given like the difference between bad wrestling and good wrestling is about ten percent. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, the the bad like if you just sit down and make yourself watch it, you're just your eyes start bleeding after a while. It was it was really tough. That was a tough pay per view to watch. I mean, it was it was like right right before C- like his, the main event was Cena versus Sheamus. Can we talk? Should we talk about this now or no? Yeah, just go right in, man. Uh, Cena versus Sheamus in a steel cage match, 
and it was like this bizarrely like it did advance the story at all because the the nexus thing was happening where the nexus invaded uh WWE and that was a that was the one really cool storyline that year. Yeah, and, and that they, was like that was the the peak Nexus moment too. Right. I mean it was like all the original members were there. Yes, and they were already starting to ruin it. Like cuz yep. at the end of that at the end of the um Nexus is supposed to be this really like almost like a rabid NWO, you know, where they're going in and they have, you know, they're sure. just like destroying everything and it's Sheamus versus John Cena and I thought the funniest thing about it was there's supposed to be this like intense, rabid anarchy group, and then they get there and they totally respect the authority of the referee. Yeah, this is after strange. they've just like you know choked out ring announcers. Can I can I say something about that? I, like that's I, I was watching Raw this week, watching that uh, the the tag team match between Del Rio and Owens versus the Lucha Dragons, yeah. which is very like uh, like like. Like quietly, very, very good match. Yeah. But the reason I've always said that Del Rio is one of my favorites because when when the camera's on it, when he doesn't need to be in the moment, he's always in the moment, right? Yeah, I mean, just like the camera's on, the, like he's he has the guy in a in a submission hold. The camera's on the guy, and and Del Rio is still just like doing all the hand gestures and stuff. Kevin Owens is better at him than that. Kevin Owens might be the most, despite looking like a like a chubby guy. Yeah, he's the most naturally gifted professional wrestler I think in our lifetimes because yeah. th- this goes to what you were saying. There was a moment where. Del Rio was out of the ring. He got not. He, he was he was prone on the floor. He was about to get counted out. And as you know, they were like fighting for their to keep their spots in the Money in the Bank match. And Kevin Owens, who going by the rules that have been established, you know, at least by proxy over the course of the years, could just have gone over at any point and helped Del Rio up and like dusted off his back and helped him back into the ring. But he spent the first like eight counts of the ten count outside the ring, just like frantically screaming at him, like, "Hey, you're gonna get us! You're gonna get us thrown out!" <laughs> and then he walks out, runs over at the last minute and. Tosses him in, and it, it he was violating the rule, the, like the, like the hypothetical rules that are set forward. But he's so good at doing it that it made the moment a hundred times more compelling. But yeah. what, what you're talking about, I, to, I I remember watching that and having the same sinking feeling in my stomach. Is that like they don't the people doing this, the wrestlers, and God love them, they were all like 23 at the time, or they yeah. were very very fresh. They didn't understand why they were ignoring their or why they were they were uh, like following the referees right they were just told to go out there and do this one thing they did it they went through the motions and they kind of went through the motions with a with an extra sheen of like gruff heel shtick or whatever yeah yeah but like you gotta i mean like it's and 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 some guys spent 20 years in the business and never figure it out but kevin owens has it figured out you can do inane things all you have to do is commit to it and act the right way and it's and it can be really great yeah well i think with that with that and you know like people who you know you go back and it was just bad storytelling with the Nexus. Were like, like because so when they when they first, I remember how cool it was when they first debuted, and they destroyed the ring and they like left scene in the middle of it. You're like, wow, this is in a lot of ways cooler than the NWO because you're like, you don't even know what these guys are gonna do. But then to have a ref, like, because basically they're trying to like use wire cutters to get into the match with Cena and Sheamus, and have a referee just. Take those not wire cutters, uh, chain bolt bolt cutters. Bolt cutters sorry, or the referee take it and them just like seven guys with this tiny referee and they're just like what what are you doing and then the referee just just goes away without them physically assaulting this guy. You're like well now we've completely lost respect for them as a credible opponent for Cena now that like a referee's pushing them around. You know? Yeah, it's very weird. It's like if you've gone to the extent if you've gone to the if you've gone to the difficulty to get bolt cutters, you think you might kind of be it just like you're you're in like fuck you mode right yeah like, it right, doesn't exactly. matter who attacks you yeah. or who gets in your way that's it that, that, that's a really good point and you can't bring bolt cutters on a plane 
Like so, they had to get to that city, go to a Ace Hardware store, grab the bolt. You don't cutters. think the WWE tour bus just pulls off at like at like Home Depot on the way to the arena so they can get their ladders and <laughs> no, no, trash Nexus cans? And they stuff? had to, yeah, no, they had to rent a car. <laughs> oh right, they're in their to, own yeah, vehicle. Yeah, they they have their own bus. They're not allowed storyline purposes to even use WWE's uh, hardware. Um, we should we, like we let's circle back around yeah, to this. That, my, no, I totally. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk so, about it. Like, I'm so smarting over watching the whole three hours. Yeah, so. it was, that was really rough. I apologize. Um, listen, the the uh, I mean, I just got done watching Raw. I was up late. This is Tuesday morning. We're recording this for people who are listening. I was up late with the Ringer crew watching the basketball game last night, and then yeah. uh, fell asleep watching Raw afterwards, and woke up and, and started cramming it in. Uh, the, the rest of it in this morning. I, man, maybe it was because I was kind of speeding through it. I really enjoyed Raw this week. I thought it was a yeah, really I effective go home show. It was definitely, uh, you know, not as much uh, like going up the ladder and grabbing the suitcases last week. Yeah, no, there were no promo. There were no interview segments that just began with five people sitting on top of ladders. Yeah, yeah, no, I liked the. Um, I mean, I liked. I mean, I don't know. Do you want to go through it beat by beat? Uh, well, not t- entirely beat by beat, but let's. Uh-huh. But the thing. I mean, I'll, I'll mention a few things, and you okay. tell me what you think. Number one, it was probably one night only, but Corporate Kane was back. I mean, there, I don't think anything could have excited me more. It's kind of fun that they're doing like GMs. Yes. Every week, GMs of, of GM past. G- uh, do you think we're gonna see John Laurinaitis? Are we, is Johnny Ace gonna make? The I comeback? hope so. I, I wish. Is Jack Tunney dead? Jack Tunney is dead. Ah. Well, that was the one I was really looking forward to. There, I mean, but, but he Jack Tunney's whole thing was that he was the son of another Tunney, right? J- um, uh, yeah. What was his name? What was his dad's <laughs> name? Anyway. Who do I want to see? Um, what's his name? The guy. Uh, I'm just saying there could be other Tunneys around. that could. That Jack would, Tunney Jr.? Yeah. Yeah, bring in Jack Tunney Jr. That's who I want. He's like, I, I feel like, well, we have like <laughs> yeah, multi-generational. John, John Tunney was his dad. <laughs> we have multi-generational wrestlers. We should have multi-generational I mean, GM Stephen Steph Shane or Stephen Shane. Not that they have haven't, daughters. not that they haven't earned it with their lives, but they're. I mean, <laughs> but they're. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I mean, so so Jack Tony probably won't be there. Mick Foley could always make a comeback. Mick definitely going to be one of the guys who um, comes. Well, then we. Rick had- Flair has a, re- a weirdly tour. I mean, has spent a long time, or I mean, a very significant period of time in a in a managerial role at WWE, and only gave it up so he could fight the Undertaker at WrestleMania. See that? 18. That's how to make a storyline work. You know, yeah. like. All these guys should want to be punching other guys in the face, and and if and if you're ready to end a storyline, let like let that be the option. Well, William Regal is so like so because I watched the neck neck NXT, NXT? pay per view. Oh, that we next. should talk about that. I totally Man, forgot that was to an touch awesome. On that that last was week. such an awesome pay per view. But William Regal is so good as a GM. He's so good. Yeah, and and to watch like and, and it shows you like you don't have to have this evil authority figure to make really good wrestling. He's just a GM and he totally sells the product like when they have um when they had what's his name walking at the end the guy who was in TNA oh and uh, rude. Rude, rude walks into that room at the end and you're like oh what is going on it's suspense and it's not just Regal being evil like he's also a member of the audience yeah. like what is this guy going so, doing in here too so I, it's just it shows you like we don't have to do the evil authority figure yeah. every time there can be a different type of authority figure I I I agree I mean, I guess the problem is that with NXT, well, he's great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I and he and he had a, he he was he was a GM in, in on Raw too, he right? Be Raw back um, as a GM for sure. But the uh, but there, there's a sort of like implication of implication that there is a govern that there is like 
a president of NXT above him. You know, the, the Triple H exists, right? The, the yeah. McMahons exist, except that sort of like the 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 shoot versions of those people. Yeah. So the only reason why, I mean, one of the reasons why William Regal works is because you know that he's not actually the owner, right? And the owner is presumably sane and somewhere in a different city, and and you know, yeah. make and writing the checks and stuff. I guess, I guess, my whole point is like in WWE, in like Raw continuity, the highest ranking people in WWE are like abject lunatics. So there's no one they could put in charge that you would really trust. <laughs> that would really, that would be like, well, like who's the a guy? Sober, uh, Barrios, a, maybe he, him, the guy who's like the financial runs all. Uh, the- Oh yeah, the guy that runs all the all the stockholder meetings. Yeah, that's yeah. the only guy that people would be like, "All right, he's boring enough to fill that <laughs> um, role." That's re- that, that's a really good call. But I, I yeah, but I'm, I'm I was happy to see corporate Kane. Ka- Kane is one character that like this is the first time anyone said that in three years. Oh man, I was so stoked to see him. I always liked only corporate because Kane. like Shane uh, of at his best moments, corporate Kane or just unmasked Kane. Yeah, uh, can really like be in, inject a certain personality into the goings on and in the backstage interviews that doesn't exist otherwise. He's a very unique skill set. Yes, right. And he's a, and I think that if you're like a smart or whatever, like I am, you like hear all these glowing stories about him backstage. Oh, yeah. So you always want him to do. And you know, I I think libertarianism is bullshit, and I still like the guy. <laughs> so you know, um, uh, yeah. No, but I think that what that that like specifically Shane and Stephanie needed they need someone to play off of. Yeah, you could, there were moments when there was a moment right when Kane walked in. I think you, Stephanie had a couple of just like like there were a couple of different looks Stephanie gave where she like validated my opinion that she is the best actor employed by WWE. Like you she think has she's some, best. She has some very she is very natural. Like it, and with some of the stuff she yeah. did, you know, about about seventy five percent of the time. Just very, very natural and compelling. Um, yeah, she's, but she's and Shane, Shane is getting his groove back. Shane, Shane, like for the first couple of months, was very awkward. You know, when he first made his comeback, he was just tripping, like, tripping all over his lines. Not a knock on the guy. No one, no one can come back cold and do what these guys, what you know, what the full timers do week in and week out. Um, but their their chemistry is sort of odd, especially backstage where they have they have this good in ring chemistry. Shane and Steph. Yeah, but you put them backstage, and they're suddenly like quiet and just playing to a much, you know, it's a much different volume, and their chemistry is a little bit off for me. I thought that Corporate Kane really like made, like made made everything feel a lot more normal is the wrong word, considering that we're talking about a demon with a suit on. But yeah, but you get what I'm getting at there. <laughs> I almost, I do wish that they had brought him back a little, like he was one of the later GMs they're gonna bring back. Yes, just because it almost seems like Corporate Kane, like. Well, he lost the corporate king character in probably what, like November or something. Like that was. It hasn't been that long. Yeah, it hasn't been that long. So that that would be my only criticism of it. But yeah, it was cool to see him back. And Uh, here's what I guess my overall. I liked it that Shane and Stephanie. I think I touched on this some last week. Shane and Steph were fighting over SmackDown. Well, I guess this week there was a little bit uncertainty. Like like Stephanie wouldn't let Shane take either show. You know, they're they're kind of like quibbling over it. But I like the the built in. This felt like a very. There's a lot of built in uncertainty in this episode of Raw, right? And this is one of them. Is we don't know what's going to happen. Like in years past, they would have just said, you know, Shane's in, or Shane's in charge of SmackDown, and it's the better show, and just try to convince us of that. Now they're just kind of leaving it up in the air, and and we don't we don't know which show they're pretending is the better show. We don't know if they're going to go all in on SmackDown or just let it continue to be the B show. You well, know, I I think like there's. 
It seems like SmackDown now that it's on USA, it could eclipse Raw. And I know that's a crazy thing to say, but like, there's no reason that Monday night that Raw should do so much better than SmackDown when it's going to have to compete with football and and like, there's so many other things that could uh, take over the ratings that like SmackDown is a real opportunity to be on this or at least near the same level as Raw, and it was when Paul Heyman was running it. So yeah. It would be cool to see it back. It would be, I mean, Interesting. a lot more work for you every week. But I appreciate you thinking about me. They're also, <laughs> I think, I think Melzer reported this week that 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 in in not the not too distant future there are going to be two pay per views every month. Ugh. Yeah. See now it's now enough. now you see how I feel. The, it's uh, enough. Come on, guys. We need to make stuff special. Yeah, it's true. I you mean, need it's, to make stuff special. That this is the it's the really weird. It's it's the it's the furthest it's the furthest reach of the brand split and the part that really doesn't need to happen. You know, it, it's it not just like, bothers me. Like, and I know you can't go back to squash mashes, but like Cesaro versus Sami Zayn should be a bigger deal. Well, then it was a good. And that ending was that ter- ending. I mean, I know that, terrific. and we've seen Ambrose Jericho a couple of times in years past, but the finish to that match that main event match last yeah. night was like a, a cool pay-per-view finish spot that they could have saved for some point in the future like not only are we seeing pay-per-view matches yeah. and, and don't get me wrong I love I, I kind of like I really perked up when that happened on, on Raw uh but that like code breaker into the dirty deeds little spot that they did like yeah. that could have been that could have been the like the closing moment or well of the semi main of any you know any pay per view in the over the past six months and it should like it was a cool little moment yeah um, but yeah you're right I mean they they give away so much and then they they're gonna have so to f- much it's I think the weird thing is just gonna be the scheduling because like they've done they've they've been they've been towing this line between acting like WWE the like, kind of the on the corporate side has been towing this line between sort of. Uh, pu- putting up the a front of like try of like getting all these new WWE subscriber I mean network subscribers and and sort of expanding the fan base and all this sort of stuff but really at the end of the day it's just a lot of consolidation of the hardest of hardcore fans yeah right I mean the only people who are going to be uh, the only people who are going to be super interested in watching three hours like on a pay-per-view weekend three hours on sunday three hours on monday two hours on tuesday people all who live. drink mountain dew or, code red for breakfast or the but. people who are listening to this podcast so shut the fuck up dan saint <laughs> yeah, no but yeah i mean it's it's only the mo- it's it's only the most like diehard fans yeah. uh like I like there there are definitely I mean there are many weeks there are many three days stretches where I will watch six, eight whatever seven or eight hours of wrestling like that's not the strangest thing in the world but to have your life kind of pres- like the, like the exact times of sitting down and watching live and tweeting about it you know prescribed or is is sort of strange but I do wonder what do you think is a weirder moment like somebody walking in on you on the eighth hour of wrestling like. <laughs> Holding an empty whiskey oh, flask, wow. or yeah. like walking into a guy whose wife just left him, like looking at like photos of them. What do you think is a more like unsettling? I was wondering how creepy that was going to get on the back end. <laughs> See, I didn't go totally like True Detective or something like that. This, I think this I brought up last. Yeah, last my reference bank is low, guys. Um, no, I mean there've definitely been some times when I would when I had long weekends of wrestling where it was just sort of like, you know, I would like just say goodbye to my friends on a Thursday or a Friday or whatever. Check it with like, John Pierre Lafitte. Yeah, tell my roommate not to bother like coming home for a couple days. <laughs> don't, uh, don't come home. It's just, she can, like, I, like you know, it's fine if you want to come home, but like, I'm going to be, I'm, it's probably, the, the it's going to be an ugly scene in the living room. It's going to look like some like Cheetos triage unit going on. <laughs> She's like, yeah. you're watching the same in your house over and over <laughs> yeah. again. Um, so, but, so I guess just conceptually, before we get too far away from this, is it, 
let's just say you you Dan Saint Germain the the pinnacle of the of the fairly serious fan yeah yeah but, but not the guy who's gonna I would watch say, and not totally but yeah but you're not gonna watch that you're not gonna just instinctively watch Sunday Monday Tuesday in a row of live live wrestling I can't so do you if you if it's down between if somebody calls you on Sunday night and they say hey we got to have dinner this week important thing Monday or Tuesday <laughs> you pick do you pick do you, which night do you go out on? Which night do you skip wrestling? I mean, right now Tuesday, but like no, but it, once once it's once it's a live show that presumably is the end of the wrestling. I got to see how the draft goes, but oh, you care about the talent? Yeah, I care about the talent. Probably, honestly, and this is like because I like Stephanie's a character better than Shane, but probably. Maybe the one that Stephanie's not on, just because then it won't have the evil authority figure, and not every single certain storyline yeah. will have her plugged in it. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, like it took me a while to watch uh, NXT, and then without a doubt, the most fun I had all week watching wrestling was watching the NXT pay per view. So it just it takes a while for something to be for people to get into something. I agree. I think my, I, mean, I guess what I'm thinking about on a deeper level is. Like when I write a column after a pay per view, I'll be writing one. I'll be writing my pr- a preview to Money in well, the we Bank this I weekend on the Ringer dot right, so yeah. yeah, and I'll be writing some sort of recap next week. Um, the Ringer dot com is the lovely website that that I'm sure everybody knows that I that I work for. But the um, mm-hmm. but yeah, when I write my I, I you know the, the pay per view will happen on a Sunday. I, w- I have to wait and watch Raw because who knows what's going to change? You know, like I can't. I'm not going to put up a big essay on Monday afternoon and then have everything I wrote be ne- be negated by what happened Monday night. So I That's, wait till I okay. wait till after Raw to yeah, write anything. Right. Yeah. Now I'm waiting till after SmackDown, assumingly assume, assuming that something interesting might happen because it's live. I think that if it was if it was up to me, I'd have to watch SmackDown just because it's 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 a it'll continuation recap. of the live storyline. Yeah, and it'll recap Raw. But yeah, who knows? Because for so, for so long now, SmackDown's just felt like house show Tuesdays. It's a it's been a very it's sometimes a very very good house show. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, you mentioned the NXT uh, the end take over the end show that happened this week. So great, right? Oh my gosh, let's talk about it. Uh, it was it was really good. I again I missed that I think because of basketball. It's really working for a sports and pop culture website. You end up with a lot of social obligations that involve like watching basketball, which is you know I'm a, I'm a huge of, basketball a lot fan. Of not so. going outside for the mass man. Oh yeah, I have not I've not been outside in three weeks since I'm in Los Angeles. No, you might <laughs> be able to tell by my it's it's hard it's hard to believe it with like my, my mahogany tan, but uh, I've been inside <laughs> for a you long time. You look Persian now. It's crazy. <laughs> I know a lot has changed since I moved to California, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is there? I mean, I, I don't I don't know how ba- how far back you want to go on this uh, on this card. I'll just run through the results and you right. jump in. I, if saw, I saw anything. most of it. Uh, did you see Ty Dillinger versus Cian Almas? See, no, is, I did not. I saw the beginning of that, but I was also on my elliptical machine, not to brag, guys. So I didn't, <laughs> yeah, I can I tell. Didn't I was going to ask. I, I have the D'Angelo V now on my stomach. It's crazy. Remember yeah. That music video? Oh, really? How does this feel? No. Yeah. It's, you got to get some. You got to get I some. I ate a uh, whole medium Papa John's pizza last night by myself <laughs> while I watched her also now. A medium is nothing, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My last Papa John's experience, I was in Brooklyn actually writing 
and uh, I went to a bar to, to write and then realized only as I was leaving that I didn't have my wallet. And I and luckily my buddy was was I mean, I was, I'm friendly with the bartender. Yeah. Uh, Danny, if you're listening, shout out to you. And so he was like, just pay me, pay me next time. Not a big deal. But then I was planning on getting food on the way home and I had no dollars. And at that point, at this point, it's like one in the morning. So I look on my phone. And I'm just like, what can I make happen? And I didn't want to wait for Seamless or for anything like that yeah. to show up. So I just looked for Seamless Pickup. And the only thing that I could find was a Papa John's that was like only just a mere two blocks out of the way. Yeah. And the so I just Saturn ordered myself Christmas music playing in the background. I know. It's totally, there's Mannheim Steamroller was blaring on my iPod. <laughs> but the, uh, but the, yeah, no, and I, I walked home and got the pizza and I've never walked faster than to get that back to my room because once you smell it, it's like crack, man. I Ugh, just can't. So good. And I ate healthy all last week. I was so much better. And then, well, then Sunday night I went out and I went, you know, because I overeat. Now I don't drink or smoke anymore. So I went to one of those sushi conveyor belts. I saw a movie and then a sushi conveyor belt place. And I'm just, I just keep pouring. I was like, who knows if Gaios is coming again? You know, like, (laughs) and uh, and then I ate all that. And then the next day, I got totally thrown off my schedule. But I'm back, baby. I don't know how this really? got back in. You're that. back? I'm it back doesn't sound healthy. much like you're back. You had a pizza, I had you had a pizza like 12 row. hours ago. I know, but I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. You know, right. I'm like a stockbroker who has like a meth habit on the weekends. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. I know so many of those people. Um, Cien Almas is, uh, was La Sombra in, in Mexico. He's a, he's yeah. a really good like second or third neck. generation place, but he's like, he's a, a second or third generation star. He's, he's very good. It'd be, it'll be interesting to see. If I remember correctly, he was one of the one of the several Mexican wrestlers that was signed with a lot of fanfare, uh, and he's just recently been repackaged. And this might be this might be the look for him. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, Ty we, Dillinger is going to be the the. He's, I think he's going to get in better and better shape and get weirder and weirder hair and just continue jobbing in NXT for the rest of his life. But I, but he's he's. You don't uh, want to be the guy who jobs in the first match of a NXT. I'm show. not sure. I'm not. I think of all the places in the history of wrestling to be. NXT in Orlando is not a bad place. I no. think I think if Ty Dillinger never got called up, and he very well may get called up, but I think if he never did, uh, he would he would continue to be employed by them for like fifteen more years. I, I hope it's the Heath Slater thing for you know anybody. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you, if you're going if you're anywhere. gonna be Heath Slater, wouldn't you rather be Ty Dillinger? Wouldn't, or wouldn't you rather be Heath Slater who just gets to live in Orlando and not spend all of his life on the road? I don't know. You're yeah, a, you're a comic. Be, Maybe you like being on the road. I, at times, it really just depends on the weekend, you know. Yeah. Um, because you know, if you have a good week, it's like the greatest. If you're on the road and you have like a good weekend, yeah. you know, you, if you're single, you meet like you get like a weekend girlfriend. You know what I mean? Sure. Like it's not just like a one night stand. You this like, is my dream. Go like golfing, like mini golfing. You're like, what is this <laughs> right now? And then it ends. It's a perfect relationship. It ends in like three days, and then you you're going out on the eat. It's it's a fun time. But if you're you know. I mean, if you're in Fort Lauderdale or doing the Hard Rock or something, you want to, you know, put a gun in your mouth. It just, <laughs> yeah. it just depends on what, where you're at. You know? The yeah, I mean, I guess I, I always have this like weird anxiety that every time I go somewhere, I'm gonna miss the awesomest weekend in the city that I'm living in. Yeah, that's a weird you anxiety. Don't, you don't have that. You're not just like, what if, what if everybody goes out? What if all my friends hang out in L.A. and it's I don't the best? Have many friends, so no, yeah, yeah just... no, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> in L.A., I don't know what I'm freaking out about. I mean, I go, you know, like I go out with like two people usually. Like I went out with a friend two nights ago, and then I don't like. I'm not a big. Par- I don't drink anymore, so I'm not a big party guy anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, so yeah, I don't. Not, not as much. Not as much. I'm not as nervous anymore. Um, I, I guess I used to be in college. I was. You know, it was like, oh my god, you know, we we that was the vodka Gatorade party. You missed it. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that would have been that would have been terrible. Um, yeah, way, the man, Red Bull really changed the game. Um, <laughs> the 
The, it was like when Dylan went electric. <laughs> I'm trying really hard to get back to NXT here. The revival against American Sorry. Alpha. That that was sort of a weird, like the revival got the got the belts back. Um, yeah, I, th- I actually kind of like that. Do you um, think it's because they're going to be trading wins, or do you think it's because it always has to be in the in the in the equation? Like her American Alpha about to get called up. Maybe I mean I I, I it seemed like who's the guy who was uh, and I always blank on his name but the, I mean the ending of the match was the coolest the new tag team and then the dude <clears> who <throat> used to manage the uh, Road Warriors right oh yeah that was he looked so cool Paul that, Ellering yeah Paul Ellering sorry that image of him like kind of dressed like whenever Bing Kingsley's a bad guy you know he's got like the black <laughs> turtleneck the the cool suit and then the two guys who were matching right aside looked, and he didn't say anything yeah I was like this is this reminded me and I, I mean it's not the same thing but like when Lesnar came in and just like destroyed everyone in the ring it kind of had that Paul feel. Ellering may be the only rest I mean the only wrestling manager in our lifetimes who hasn't just like who who has kept the mystique up? Just who basically because yeah. he quit. I mean, he who doesn't look like he should be like sitting in a car dealership. Well, he doesn't look like that, and he also didn't do the thing where like the Road Warriors left and he just stuck around for another year managing like you know like whoever Dangerous Danny Spivey or something like yeah. that. You know, like he 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 kind of like he was with the Road Warriors or he was just out doing whatever he does. I like what do you those think guys. He, I'm sure I'm sure it's a very I'm sure everyone knows this answer. But what do you think Paul Ellering's day job is? I don't know because he's definitely not getting paid prob- like a living salary, and and I don't know how much these guys make. All right, <clears throat> I found a What Culture article entitled from one day ago entitled 10 Things You Didn't Know About Paul Ellering." Oh my god! I can't believe there's ten. Uh, we'll see about this. Let's see. He set number ten. He set a deadlift power or a deadlift world record. Well, I knew that. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, he was a serious lifter. He was a buddy of the Road Warriors before he got injured. I remember if, that, if I remember correctly, and uh, yeah, and that's how he became their manager. So he could have yeah. Been a wrestler. So number nine, he started out as a wrestler but retired uh, after a knee injury. It's crazy though the thing about the knee injuries because in, in that day and age, that's when like football players and basketball players would get the career-ending knee injuries and then become wrestlers because the wrestling was the thing you could do with like yeah. you know with like half of a ligament. Not um, anymore. Uh, he was the Road Warriors manager in more ways than one. Oh yeah, so you talked about uh, um, you talked you talked about Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. That, that one thing he actually has in common with Paul Ellering is that they were legit managers. They were shoot managers of, oh, their, really? of their kayfabe talent. Yeah, I mean, it's unclear how tied in uh, Heyman is, but he's clearly more involved in, in Brock Lesnar's well, it's life. It's so than crazy just how screen. wrestling is real. You know, like, like hearing those stories about how Paul Barry used to take her Undertaker's travel. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so strange how that's real. And it, the funny thing is it does, like, I remember I wrote this in one of my first pieces when I was writing about Hawk of the Road Warriors. That the most important thing that Paul Ellering provides in kayfabe terms is the answer to this, like the one, like just the kind of the kind of uh, tricky questions that are just kind of dancing around the edge of your brain. It's not, it's not just yeah. like why do you hit him with that chair, but like the the more interesting questions, like do the Road Warriors have a checking account? You know, like you just don't. <laughs> Thank, but the character of Paul Ellering is like, you know, he solves many, that problem. How many Delta miles has Hawk earned? <laughs> exactly. My dad actually saw Animal on a plane one time. The um, number seven. Oh, I, I saw Chris Jericho's dad on a plane one time. We talked. Did you know? Do you recognize him? No, he saw. I was I was I was in uh, coach uh, on using my Boingo and uh, watching uh, old Jericho and Austin promos. And he came up to me and he goes, no, you know, I'm Chris Jericho's. Uh, and I didn't know he was like a big time New York Ranger. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a famous dude. He's a famous dude. And we just talked for a while. I was like the nicest guy ever. That's so great. I can't believe that he's actually 
that he walk that he walks up introducing him as that was Chris Jericho's dad. Yeah, I think he's he looked, seemed genuinely proud. And then I brought up Fozzie, and he got less proud. But he was really proud. Of the he's rest. like, that's a bunch of bullshit. That band. <laughs> just, he should stick to what he's good at. He's like, uh, yeah. Then he becomes like, yeah, the one of the dads from Friday Night Lights or something. The Fo- Fozzie is a really great lane for Jericho, though, because in like whenever they started the band, like within a couple of years, they were just automatically one of the five best hardcore bands or heavy metal bands in the country. Were they? No, not. But but Do as I have far to as start chilling for Fozzie. No, now? I just I'm mean gonna... that like that like the market like the like the audience. I mean, whatever the the heavy metal in pop culture just evaporated. So as long yeah. as they're like, as long as they have the backing of a of a semi famous person who's like their lead singer. I mean, I think it's they're I, doing all these big festivals and stuff. Like I get, I, you know what it is. I think if you're like an old heavy metal guy, you're like, all right, yeah, I'll just I really love wrestling, so I'll have this guy open for me so I can <laughs> talk wrestling. The wrestling heavy metal me lane is about great. My, you know, like Triple H just got an award. Oh, he just got an award from like Lemmy, yeah. like the Lemmy endurance. I don't know. Award, I don't know what there was a Lemmy award? A Lemmy award after him that he got at like a, a metal festival in uh, Europe <laughs> or something. That was the big wrestling news this week. I'm sorry, I did. I totally missed that. Oh, you missed that. Wait, Huge I'm gonna, news. I'm going to keep going through these Ellering okay, facts. Sorry, he sorry. was in the first War Games match. I don't think that counts as a surprising fact. I mean, he's, no. he was in WWE during the Attitude Era. Okay, what culture? Mm-hmm. You're very. You're living up to. You're living up to all my expectations. Oh. Okay, number five. He's stock market savvy. Uh, let's see. Oh, there we go. Maybe that's uh, the, the he was called Precious Paul Ellering, but the Precious appellation had nothing to do with appearance. It was it was based and it was instead based on the fact that Ellering was an investor in precious metals and the stock market. Precious metal sounds like a real Alex Jones thing. To get yeah, that's in. really, really strange. Also, for like a stock market savvy for pro wrestling just means you know a guy at E Trade and you haven't <laughs> lost all your money. Well, this was way before E Trade. He carried a he carried that rolled up newspaper to the ring because that's where his stock info was coming from. Uh, During house shows, you could just read it. Yeah, and then oh, and actually, speaking of E Trade, you're absolutely right. When he returned to WWE in in '98, his persona was he was updated with the nickname Mister Dot Com. <laughs> referring to the then popular habit of buying internet domains and flipping them for a profit. What a shitty gift. This is the strangest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Oh, man. Well, That's like uh, I take of everything. IRS, he's like, eminent domain Eddie or something. Yeah. You're just like, what? Um, IRS is a pretty terrible gimmick, too. I mean, if you're, if you're he, sitting in a pitch room, I'm if saying. If you are, but that guy ran with it. I mean, that was a great gimmick for... Uh, for Mike Rotunda, well, right? He, yeah. Mike Rotunda is one of the name misspelled in actual graphics on the screen all stars. Like back in the <laughs> late '80s, early '90s, there were a number of people like I know, like like Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect. Back in his yeah. indie, back before he was WWE, it was just like put Hinning was on the screen all the time, and his dad was a famous wrestler, so like there was not really any explanation for that. Um, I feel like they just got prompter guys from the venue though that day, you know. Oh yeah. yeah, and just like, nobody, nobody proofread it. I mean, they here. almost they, they went as close to live as you could go with tape. You know, yeah, they're not yeah. they're not like running any kind of final I mean final cut or anything uh, on that. Okay, well I'm sorry, my our internet is totally stalled out. So it's all right. What, what culture? I think that just happens we'll whenever you go on what a culture. What culture? You just it just stalls. <laughs> the viruses are taking over too much of the too much of the download <laughs> space or the upload space right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry, there's not actually viruses on what culture. The uh, okay, so uh, let's go back to NXT. Shinsuke yeah. Nakamura ever, uh, d- is Nakamura. He's the greatest ever, right? I mean, that guy yes. is the most fun 
person to watch. The the reason that you know that Nakamura is great is because of the number of people online and in real life who are willing to admit that they never actually watched him before he got signed by WWE. Yeah. Normally, if, if they had just signed Okada or something that who's like very, very good too, yeah. everybody would keep pretending that they watch New Japan all the time. Yeah, yeah. The great thing about Nakamura is everybody's totally happy to be like, dude, I did not understand how good he was going to be. You know, like, so good. He's, he's really, really great. And, and I, I mean, he's the only person, like, you know, when I tweet, I like to have some spin on it, but I just tweeted King of Strong Style. Like, I didn't even, like, put it, I just, like, tweeted his, like, that's like t- tweeting the people's champion. You know, yeah, like, exactly. I, I, that's how good he is. He's he, so good. He's the best <laughs> thing in wrestling right now, right? He's got to be. Uh, he's, he's close. Yeah. He's close. I just learned in some <clears throat> like throwaway thing on a message board that uh, that Daniel Bryan and Nakamura and uh, and Lyoto Machida, former UFC champion Lyoto yeah, Machida. Yeah, oh, he's my favorite that, UFC fighter. No, <laughs> that, I'm serious. That all three of those guys shared an apartment above a UFC gym in LA at some point, really? like ten years ago. Yeah, That's crazy. I really want to do. You know, the, I really want to do the oral history of that apartment. Just like Nakamura was terrible with dirty dishes, man. That was like that. That would have been. Yeah. That would be so well, much I fun. Well, I used to have a bit like Machida used to uh, to uh, prepare for matches. He would drink a cup of his own urine. That was, but like what? Like, yeah, he, he was one of those. He was one of those guys. The, the piss truthers. So, like these. People are around. No, there are people that like wash their hair with There's urine. Same people and, like, invest it. in minerals. Yeah, uh, it's very yeah. strange. Yeah, he. Uh, I forget what it was. He was, but I was uh, basically the bit was like that only works if you're the best fighter ever. You can't be like <laughs> a me. Like, you can't have like a. Like, you can't be like what's your record? Uh, oh, I'm fifty fifty, but I still drink piss. <laughs> yeah. No, I see. It's definitely you. Definitely have to be. Uh, you have to. Have, you got to be like bullyproof. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But yeah, that I mean that match is really good. Aries is another one who's funny because about whether or not he'll ever make it up to the majors. I'm sure that he will, you know, at least in passing or whatever. But if uh, again, as NXT gets bigger and bigger, it's no it's no slight. If that if your lot in life is to be like a borderline NXT headliner, then like so be it. Well, you know, it really was cool. a weird. The only thing that was a little weird was uh, he worked kind of face in the beginning of the match. Aries, yeah, yeah. I I, I know I, I I'm, I'm with you on this. Um, and you know the other thing is like. He's like such a better version of um, the vaudevillians, almost. Every time I see Austin Aries, yeah, because the facial hair, he's got the cape and the hair, and he doesn't go overboard with it. And then you watch the vaudevillians, and you're like, oh, you guys are a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 thankfully that the tag team division is vital enough right now that the vaudevillians don't seem like they're totally botching that. I mean that that debut, but in another, but like if it had been three months before now. They would already be back on, like they'd be on superstars, you know. Oh and not they'd be, yeah. <clears throat> they're, not, they're, they're not hitting. They're not hitting the the beats quite right. Um, but yeah, that I mean that match was. I mean it's it's got it's so weird that that I mean I'm sure he's gonna start wrestling. I'm sure I'm sure it's gonna kind of even out. We're gonna get tired of Nakamura at some point. But it's funny that like two pay per views or two NXT specials in. Nakamura is like the most must-see wrestler in WWE. You know, it's like Brock Lesnar who obviously never fights and and Nakamura. Yeah, I mean it's he's unbelievable. Um, he's unbelievable. Uh, Ashka versus uh, Ashka over Nia Jax, which was a really weird. I mean, again, talking about like playing face, playing heel. Obviously, like Ashka was uh, the 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 baby face in peril for this entire match. But that, is, how I have I haven't seen a big man, small man match or small lady match work that well in a long time. Yeah, I mean it's it's a real. Uh, I was it's. It's interesting how well it went over, right? I mean, it was in some ways just a very traditional match, but there's there's something uh actually one of the sort of 
great in, like accidents or novelties of the women's division right now is that since they, I mean, they they've come so far in such a short amount of time, yeah, that that there's no, I mean that that they almost have a blank slate like they can go back to wrestling 101 or they can go back they could just like yeah. they could just rework you know a Tully, a Tully Blanchard Dusty Rhodes match yeah. Yeah, or whatever and just like like step for step and like everybody would just be like that's the greatest thing ever and it would be you know it yeah wouldn't. I mean it was it was so it was they were so that match was so fun for me yeah it was it, I thought that was really good and the and and uh to have Ashka like get the win I mean, and still, I mean, like I, I just assumed by halfway through that match that that Nia Jax was going to win, and that was it, and like we're going to just like get ready for the rematch. But I, they they booked it really well. Now this can stretch out longer and longer. If they the, want. It reminded me of the Princess Bride when uh, Carrie Elways or whatever. Like, Carrie Elways. I just watched it last week. Oh uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> He's like trying to make Andre tap out. You know, the whole time. That's oh yeah. What it reminded. I, I really enjoyed the match. So. Um, that was a great Andre the Giant performance. Such a weird movie. Apparently, he would make people like watch it all the time. That's yeah. what I heard. Like people that's, got. I have heard that too. He was very when he came back from making it, he would just like grab people, like grab people, basically, you know, just kind of jovially by the back of the neck and make them. He would watch it like thirty times a day. I guess that's not possible, but drink his wine. It's a weird movie. I mean, I, I loved the movie as a kid, and I just watched it. I'm just in an Airbnb since I just moved to LA, and so I'm just like, there's no television, so I'm just watching. Just to have noise in the apartment, I'm just watching movies from the '80s, yeah. you know, just kind of nonstop. Because if you get more, if you get in the 2000s, I feel like if I want to watch them, I should sit down and watch them. You know, like it's you kind of making a choice. But there's like Eddie Murphy nonstop. I watch Adventures. 48 in, Hours. Yeah, oh yeah. Adventures in Babysitting was shockingly go- good. It's good background music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was The Princess Bride. I remember I was watching it, and I'm just like, this was not like an indie film. Like this was a real film. Yeah, and it was it must have been fairly popular at the time. I remember like every every kid I knew liked it at the time. At least like a year later when it came out on VHS. I remember my parents probably it was one of those videos. They're like, "All right, sit down. You're gonna like this movie," and they were right. Yeah, it was really really good. I wonder if there were just a lot. I, I guess I was wondering why there weren't more things like The Princess Bride, but there probably were. There's terrible versions of it. Like, can I, can they, I, they were really bad at, at ripping things off in the 80s. Well, really I think, like, you know, Never Ending Story is, like, almost like, uh, I like it, but it's it's a little poor man's <clears throat> Princess Bride. That's true. Never Ending Story, and then you can kind of get in the Disney stuff, like the Labyrinth or whatever. Like, there's yeah. there are some of those. There were more, like, kind of crossover. Princess Bride is the pinnacle. I mean, my f- personal favorite's Willow, but I, it, Willow is still not as good as Princess Bride. Willow is terrible. Willow, <laughs> Willow, Willow is trash. This is my hot take <laughs> of the week. Um <laughs> Uh, and then the most well, it's, it's in the top five though top five <laughs> uh yeah speaking of uh speaking of of like hyper talented uh magical uh, little people uh Finn Balor lost um the at NXT to Samoa Joe that finish holy good god that muscle buster off the top of the cage it was a ballsy move considering the muscle buster has like put one has ended one person's career. It's he's not yeah. quite he's not quite at a Styles Clash level, but like and and don't get me wrong, Samoa Joe did like the, you know the consensus is there was no problem with with you know that his that early match he had with Tyson Kidd that hurt Tyson yeah. like it, that was just a freak accident. But wow, not so, according to Bret Hart. <laughs> really hurts one of the he just like every time someone injures somebody he goes on social media and he's like yeah it was that guy's fault and you're like shut up brett that's really crazy he did that with uh uh seth rollins too where he's like seth rollins broke cena's nose he shouldn't have done that it's so strange like why is this brett hart's lane like why is he interested in that and like he's in- like clint eastwood's character in gran torino of wrestling <laughs> <laughs> 
That's just that's it. There's no other joke to make. That's totally right. Um, is our internet actually out, or is it just my computer? I just have too many windows open. All right. Um, well, thankfully, I don't really need the internet. Fine, to talk too close about the sun, shoemaker. No, I have like forty thousand internet windows open. Um, uh, that's that's Samoa Joe Finn Balor match was really really good. Do Great you th- match. Do you think that we're? Uh, it, it was it was one of the few. I feel so weird overhyping. I feel like I feel like I risk overhyping NXT every time I talk about them. Yeah, because I think a lot of it does have to do with the arena that they ran, the arena or the, the the venues that they run, and the quality of the film. It's just a little, you know, it's significantly different. Well, significantly is a weird word, but it's different than than what we're used to seeing on Raw or on the pay per views. That the cage match felt so much more intimate and immediate and vital. It felt like. Like a 1989 NWA cage match in a certain yeah. way, you know. But maybe that was just the setting. It was the film. I don't know. But that match just felt so much. Just like you know, I've talked five million times about the Freebirds and the Von Erichs, and that I mean that's that's not the the filming wasn't the same. I mean the film, you know, if you go back, if you watch those Freebirds with that that famous Kerry Von Erich Ric Flair cage match where the where the Von Erichs turn, I mean where the Freebirds mm-hmm. turn on the on on the Von Erichs. I mean, it looks like there's a Pruder film, you know, it's just like the camera is like 45 yards away and it's grainy as hell and whatever. And and that's part of why it looks so real, because it's like, man, someone's getting murdered, I think, in the background. I can't quite tell. But the I think there's some stylistic things they do in the beginning, like they did the spotlight on Joe and Baylor uh, in the beginning. And it's all dark. It almost looks like somebody's about to sing cabaret or something. But it it looks it looks cool. It does. They set it up. They set themselves up. For success, the uh, next day. Success. you know, I, you know that I hate Finn Balor's entrance, his pay per view or his big show entrance. Ba-da, that one, yeah, it's uh. just too, it's 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 two degrees too community theater. That's what I that's what I always say. It's just so it's just a little bit too much. It's like when you go to the Jekyll and Hyde restaurant. Exactly. <laughs> I like no one listening to this has any frame of reference with it, but like, you can imagine it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> But anyway, yeah. So that I mean, that was a great card. Did you watch the Breaking Ground special that came on after they aired afterwards? No, I didn't see that. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you watch that, and we'll either discuss it on a future show or or you know over some soda pops at some point in the not too distant future. But it was really really cool. It was very. It was like a. I think it was the sort of the the launch for season two of Breaking Ground or sort of like whatever yeah. that is. There was a great the the greatest moment though. It's well worth watching for anybody that wants to see it. But it's kind of the the last six months of NXT are all sort of crammed into this one thing. And it shows Nakamura making his, making his like debut at uh, WrestleMania weekend. First of all, it has him and Triple H walking around the arena before the show with Triple H just sort of like telling him his ideas and then communicating when like, I think there's, how was, how good is his English? It wasn't on the show. I don't know if they're kayfabing it. He does use a translator. Like when he's doing interviews and stuff, really? yeah. So I don't know. This is like the Yao Ming thing, where he just like uses a translator because he's just like a, a little bit socially Great awkward Collie and has just that too, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but yeah. So, but he and Triple H were seemed to be communicating, or he or at least he was just going out of his way to make it look like he understood Triple H because that's his boss. But there were Triple H is sitting backstage in whatever the NXT equivalent of gorilla position is, which seemed to be like a folding table and a headset. You know, I mean, it was very minimal. Um, but he, he was there. He was sitting back there when Nakamura came out for the first time, and I yeah. was, you know, I was there in the audience. It was an insane moment. That and music. It, I mean, I listen to his theme and AJ Styles' theme like legit. Just I can't I think they're good. I can't believe we had some question about whether or not you were a crazy wrestling fan earlier on this podcast. <laughs> when in fact you're listening, you're like listening to wrestlers' theme songs I on the treadmill. To, well, I listened to. <laughs> 
I was I do war I, I write for not safe with Nicky Laser, but I also do warm up for our live shows and beforehand I listen to AJ Styles theme music to just like, to get yourself going. You know, <laughs> to like, you're like Bill but Simmons. They don't want you're none. like Bill Simmons' son who walks into every room doing the AJ Styles intro now. This is really <laughs> great. Um, but yeah, the the greatest moment of that breaking ground was Triple H sitting backstage watching Nakamura came out. Come, he watches Nakamura come out, and then he like turns to like like the cameraman or whoever's you know, next to him, and he's just like, "Well, I guess I guess if they're holy shitting his intro music, that's a good sign, you know." And, <laughs> and it was just great. I love holy shitting being used as like he's an apparently word. a really funny guy off stage. Triple that's H. I've heard from people who have worked for him. Yeah, I don't know if he's like. There's a couple guys <laughs> who are like. Like like legit funny like Batista I think Jericho's legit funny like you know outside of it you know there's a couple of guys who are but I hear Triple H is like really yeah Jer- Jericho funny. was I think I think I said this before when we interviewed him on Cheap Heat like didn't seem like he was an incredibly good guy I'm not saying he was like a jerk or anything but like yeah. he, he was doing a press tour like you could tell he would rather be he would rather have been God home does a lot of he's like God does a lot of stuff yeah like, but uh, like he wasn't there wasn't it wasn't like Rosenberg texted him and he was like hell yeah I'll do your podcast like he right. was there as part of doing like a media blitz right. Right, right, right. It wasn't the happiest day of his life, I'm sure, but man, but he was incredibly like just on and funny, despite being like, I mean, yeah, he, he's like a legit funny guy. Yeah. And maybe I'm nervous because I made a Fozzy joke and I'm afraid he's gonna beat me up. Oh, he's gonna come beat the shit out of you. But strangle me with a scarf. Um, you know, uh, okay. So is is there anything else that we need to touch on? I mean, that was the NXT was really good. Now I guess there's only one thing left to do, and that's make our picks for. Money in the bank. Can I just, before we start, talk about Cesaro's intro of Jericho, which he called him like an idiot from Moronville. It was like the lamest thing. And I love Cesaro, but that was like the, it was like when in Naked Gun 2 when he goes, hello, Mr. Poopy Pants, but it was like a legit. version of that it was like crazy there is the dan yeah dan is not reading off of any kind of like script here that was actually that was just a straight up the <laughs> naked gun reference off the top of his head um yeah i told that was, that's exactly right it uh, was so cesaro, lame cesaro needs to he okay, shouldn't be doing comedy well we talked about uh, we, we we watched that 2005 money the first ever money in the bank match uh which was at wrestlemania uh, into WrestleMania 2005, which is WrestleMania 21. Good match. Is that right? Perfectly set up Edge, Edge as like the monster heel because they recreated WrestleMania 20, that moment, you know, where Benoit, you know, Benoit, uh, who's, you know, wrestling Selena. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was joking, but he was like going was a up. Terrible joke. He was, sorry, that was terrible. Uh, RIP. But he was going up, uh, he was going up the ladder and it was almost like that WrestleMania 20 where everyone's rooting for Benoit and then Edge just comes in, hits him with a chair and then grabs the. Like you set it up, like this isn't the doing stunt, like deftifying stunt edge. This is like I'm just a dirty player in the game. Yeah, I think there were people that were making, if not, then I was just saying it out loud to people. But the Daniel Bryan, Chris Benoit parallel mm-hmm. again. Let's not get into the Chris Benoit craziness, right? But like tragedy. But the uh, but but the uh, um, Daniel Bryan by all counts. Way better husband. Yeah, as far everything that I, everything that I've heard, you know, some rumors backstage. It seems like he's an actual nice guy. He, he actually is the nicest guy in the world. But yeah. the uh, and Brie is like, I mean, I get think people just only know about her from. I think I think Total Divas fulfills everybody's just sort of vague expectations of her. She's actually the one of the sweetest people. I've only met her a couple times, but like, yeah. you know, she's she knows Rosenberg pretty well, and, and Rosenberg for all of his pomp is like one of the sweetest human beings and is only friends with truly sweet people but yeah um anyway the uh uh, what was i talking about oh the um 
that 2005 match, there, or there, there was a, there was a lot of parallels between Chris Benoit and Daniel Bryan right at that period because they both had their giant shining moment at WrestleMania, and then a year later were in a, were lost or were not lost, but were in ladder matches. Yeah, you could say for lost. whatever, huh? But yeah, no, it does. It they, they definitely Daniel Bryan the... lost by winning. That's true. In that IC title he, match. He, or whatever. Did, he did win. Um, he did win. It was it's crazy. That's his last WrestleMania match. Yeah, it was a good match. But it, it was, was a really so weird good match. Um, but yeah, the 05 thing. I mean, it's interesting. It was interesting to see age, I mean, Edge, the difference between Edge between 05 and 2010. Yeah, he was Definitely much more of a grizzled vet. and bounce. He, he was better in 2010. Uh, was clearly on a different workout regimen in 2010. He, he looked. He he was not on the same. He was not. He was not working out with the same level of uh no. of supplements and intensity. I think as people he was forget how good Edge was because Seth Rollins <clears throat> is almost a better version of Edge in a lot of That's ways. That's a hot take. Uh, yes, I want to ca- cause internet internet controversy, but I I mean that's just my personal opinion. Edge was a better. Edge was a better natural heel than I think he or anybody employed by WWE quite fit, quite realized yeah. at the time. I mean, and that's it's, I'm not that's that's not I'm not knocking him. He was he was going he was headlining against Cena for for 18 years. You know, like it wasn't like it was any sort of mystery. Well, it was like the but, whole thing with him hooking up with uh, Lita. Lita, although you like look at wrestling's history and you're like, not that heelish of a thing to do backstage when you consider some of the other stuff that you hear. Oh no. No, 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 no. You're like everybody's hooking up with everybody. That was the beginning though of like really the smart fan the smart fan takeover of wrestling. I think I wrote about that. The 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 we the bring back Matt chants were the first like open revolt. That I that I could that I I mean in in the modern wrestling world right when yeah the, when every single person in the arena was aware of what we, what like the dirt sheets were reporting well what's so interesting about that feud too is like it almost like proved that they were better than the company so I know that every, you know Matt Hardy basically his girlfriend fucks him. I don't know if I'm a lot of curse <laughs> you can other dirt, I don't know if you can talk about it if you can say that but but, we'll uh, but yeah you know like whatever but because of that it was like the best thing that could have happened from cheating because because both of those guys were like, oh, these are like legit. This is yeah. like maybe not main event dudes, but they're a legit draw on the card. I wonder if we're going to get to a point where wrestlers start working the companies. Like if like if wrestlers. Well, Hogan's been doing that his whole career. Yeah, and so. not very well. But like, <laughs> would, is it worth the bump your career would get if like, you know, Zack Ryder and whoever have like, you know, Zack Ryder and, and, and Kofi Kingston like have like a, a love triangle with somebody backstage just for like mm-hmm. the bump it will give their careers when it leaks out if it's if it if it leaks onto the screen as well it's a big risk because uh if it doesn't then your girlfriend just cheated on you <laughs> well i'm saying it's a fake you know if you do a fake love triangle but like everybody oh. is but we're we're not just working the fans we're not just working the dirt sheets we're working our bosses to make them think that this is a real thing in a lot of ways man all life's at work <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so true. Um, yeah. Uh, the, so, so let's run through. Okay. I mean, is there, we'll run through this and, and touch back on those old Money in the Banks as we get to the match. I think one of the biggest standout moments for me, or one of the biggest standout things from from Raw this week was. Oh, I mentioned the uncertainty angle. We don't know where Shane and Steph are going to go. It's crazy that Ambrose kind of took precedence over Reigns and Rollins in that, and, and I mean he he was the last yeah. man standing in the in the Ambrose Asylum. Or is that what it's called? The, yeah, uh, that that segment, and then Paige winning against Charlotte. It was sort of like a what the fuck moment. Um, she was she's like coming back in a big way. Yeah, I mean she deserves it. She's the greatest female wrestler of all time. Yeah, well, uh, settle settle down, settle down. But the uh, but 
the weird, but one of the interesting things about about Raw and about over the past several weeks, the way they've booked this pay per view is that we they keep saying over and over again that Rons versus Reigns is a WrestleMania caliber match. Last night on Raw, they went overboard saying that like. Cena and, and and AJ was a WrestleMania caliber match, right? Right. And yet, the Money in the Bank match is clearly the main event. I mean, they're putting that. It's been the the last segment for the past couple of weeks, maybe for the past month. I don't even I don't it's even remember be, back that yeah. far. Like they're really putting that over as the main event. So uh, it's gonna know, be an incredible pay per view. It's. I mean, it has the potential to be really great. So I mean, it's just interesting to me that there that, that like this is. There's no shortage of hype for this, and for once. God bless Michael Cole. It's almost deserved. I mean, this is like a, this feels no, like I mean, a, it's. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be great. You know, I have some problems with the Cena AJ build, but I think you know we get to see well, him wrestle. Let's run so through cool. the card and we'll let, we'll get to that. We'll, yeah. I want I want I want your I want your heel promo on this build. Then uh, uh, the 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 pre show. There's two pre show matches. One Golden Truth versus Breezango. I actually like Breezango. I like I like that. I think yeah, that, they were good. Yeah, I like them. Um, like uh, you know, it's a, it's fun to have like a dandy boy tag team. Yeah, and I, I mean, I like that our truth. I think that I think that our truth having to change the lyrics to his intro theme song might be like the most difficult, the, the biggest thing anyone's <laughs> ever asked for him in his like twenty years of his I career. Bet he's really excited about that. Doing Maybe that, so. Um, he's a really like. He he rap his rapping skill is about on the level of like our parents, I feel like. But it's <laughs> I I but I love him. Yeah, well you try to rap in those Jenkos. Okay? Yeah, it's, I know. it's difficult. I know. The, the wind resistance is ridiculous. <laughs> uh Apollo Cruz versus Seamus also in the pre show. Kind of a fun feud. Yeah, I like that. I I don't know I mean, who do you think's gonna win? What's going on with Seamus' chest? Is that Ash or chest hair? I have no it was idea. On his chest I didn't even night. notice. I had a real. I was problem. watching was on a like, computer screen, so maybe like, I didn't get the full HD. And then I had a real problem because I was like, "Ugh, what's going on with his chest?" And then I was like, "Ugh, why do I have a problem with Sheamus's chest?" It was like two feelings. I know. I've done like I I, tw- I did like three tweets about Sami Zayn's chest hair situation when he made his yeah. comeback, and then I was just like, "Wow, well, I'm just too much. This too is much. Too much. <laughs> this is like getting creepy." My editor's stepping in. He's just like, "Yeah, no more about the chest hair." Please. Yeah, you this feel like good. a Trump at a Miss Universe competition or something. <laughs> Um, it doesn't matter who wins in Apollo Crews, Sheamus, because I have a feeling that's going to be on the pay-per-view next month. Like, it's just, right. this is the one of Baron the... Baron Corbin Ziggler. Yeah. Uh, which is on this card. <laughs> Baron Corbin versus Ziggler in a Falls Count Anywhere match. I mean, I've, I forget you said before, where, like, you like Baron Corbin, and I do too, because he is a legit heel. He's not like Kevin Owens. Yeah, I mean, I would loves, prefer Dolph Ziggler. Just, hates him. Yeah, I like Dolph Ziggler. I would yeah, prefer yeah, that he destroy Baron great. Corbin and, and, and get, you know, go somewhere, but, uh... You know, this is a fun feud. I'm going to be like, I think it'll actually be interesting to go back whenever this is over and yeah. watch all of their matches. Ziggler is almost like the Pedro Morales or something of maybe not Pedro Morales. He's gotten to a guys. point. It's, it's certainly getting somewhere. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, Rusev versus Titus O'Neil for the uh, U.S. championship. They're bringing, I mean, Titus O'Neil, the biggest push that he could have gotten is that fatherhood commercial in the middle of it. Yeah. Comes across as the best guy ever. And he just got demolished by Rusev on Monday night. I mean, on Raw. Yeah, Rusev's great. They're both great. Now, normally that would lead one to believe, old-fashioned well, I mean, wrestling booking, yeah. that Titus is going to get, that Titus might get the win on Sunday. Um, uh, I'd say Rusev, probably. All right. Right? I don't yeah. know. Because uh, then they can do the match again. Let's see. Wait, what am I looking at right well, now? They both can do the match again either way. Wait. Am I absolutely going insane? What? This is AJ Styles versus Cena. All of the Wikipedia matches have results. 
What? I just thought my, my I, I thought it was having like an what acid flashback. What does it say for the results? Uh, Apollo Crews defeated Sheamus. Uh huh. Uh, this is not in the results section. This is just in the matches section. Yeah. The Golden Truth defeated Breezango. I don't know if we're spoiling something here. This is crazy. We're seeing into the future. Really? My eyes are going are like crossing. Kevin Owens. Oh, right, we'll, we'll skip to Kevin Owens wins the Money in the Bank match. Which is match. what my prediction is going to be. Yeah. Rusev defeated Titus O'Neil. Baron Corbin defeated Dolph Ziggler. Uh huh. Um. Natalia and Becky Lynch defeated Charlotte and Dana Brooke. Oh, this sounds incredibly plausible. Oh, yeah, and maybe that's why it's here. Um, the tag team match we have, I'm, I'm going to let you pick this. Uh, the Club, New Day, uh, Enzo and Cass, and the Vaude Villains. I think, here's the thing, is I think New Day just because they want to beat the Paul London Kendrick record. Um Incorrect. The club wins this match, according to oh. Wikipedia. Well, be now we already know the answer. Actually, I think you're probably right. Um Although, uh, that was a, that was a kind of a fun four way promo that they had on Monday night. Big Cass is Big Cass is a very strange talker. He's very good at talking as half of this tag team, but like I don't think he's a good. No, he's they, not that anywhere. was so stupid. They tried to give him a push immediately. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, Enzo got hurt. Um, I had some friends texting me this weekend about how Enzo was a future champion, and I that was so great. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's weird that that isn't a surprise. Like, if you my friends me that getting into wrestler, wrestling because of Enzo, really? he saw Enzo's promo, and he's like, "This guy's the best." <clears throat> yeah, it's really, really impressive. The uh, uh, Kevin Owens Money in the Bank ladder. Kevin Owens is the winner. I think that the only I would have said Owens, except that. Dean Ambrose, the way that he stu- was standing over they, they Rollins and Reigns, they need to hold on. Ambrose in their back pocket as a Royal Rumble winner. If Listen, they don't I have anyone else like because Ambrose. I mean, if I, I give him some like criticism for because sometimes in the ring and stuff like that, it's like, but like he gets like he gets legitimate monster face pops when booked correctly. The biggest problem with the Money in the Bank briefcase at this point, and yeah. I'll talk about this more next week, is that. It, every single pay per view that you watch after the Money in the Bank pay per view, and including the Money in the Bank pay per view, yeah. you're, ma- you're you're fantasy booking them run that that person running into the main event. Yeah, it's impossible. So it's I almost hope that they just get rid yeah, of it on the Owens on Sunday look amazing, night. Amazing, yeah, though running with the suitcase. Uh, yeah, Owens is not a guy that needs to be carrying a briefcase. I mean, he can pull <laughs> it off because, like I said, he's amazing. But he's not a Maybe guy. Maybe like that he'll needs like it. casual, like he does everything else. Like he'll turn it into a Jan Sport backpack <laughs> or something. <laughs> he has to be a tough guy. Like he's got to do something. Seen some tough dudes with backpacks, man. I guess that's true. Um, and then let's see what else. So AJ Styles defeated John Cena, according to this 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 with an interference by uh, Finn Balor. I think that that's what's going to happen. Then the bullet. You club. think they're calling Finn up? Yeah, which is an awesome. But Finn and AJ were never were never buddies. Oh, I guess. But if the bullet club connection, right? Well, yeah, right. I mean, but one replaced the other. I guess my question is: Does the did the contract that he signed on Monday? By the way. Another great unexpected twist, a contract signing that was actually worth having on television. It was cool. He had some options. Was the contract was the fact that he chose well, like a no Cena putting over the whole events. Just put over your feud. Yeah. But it was the fact that AJ signed the contract with just his name on it. Did that mean that the club is banned from ringside, or is that just a sort of like? Well, I think that that, that well, that's to me the argument. You ban those two from ringside. That's what that makes a lot Finn more Baylor. sense. But now, if WB hears my idea, they may not do it just to spite me, guys. Oh no, they'll they they're they're happy to steal. That's fine, and then <laughs> they should. I mean, actually, it's not it's not thievery. There's only like there's only like a hand a small set of options here. Yeah. Um. But you know, just it did the the Wikipedia page that can see the future. 
does not say anything about crazy. Finn Balor. What if it was like the result guy from Reddit and he just like somehow Dolphins, whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah. He's a that that would be that would be a really strange use of this WWE employee or friend of WWE employee's time to be like to become a Wikipedia mod just so you can go change this stuff. Talk about but the yeah. whole that would be the greatest reveal, like the new raw GM reveal. Yeah, I was the guy that was leaking stuff to Reddit. Right. I think I don't think it's a bad look. I mean, it's at least for like a marketing director, it's like people cared about WWE online for like the whole day of the pay per view. This is really this is a great call. Who do you think could leak it and not get (laughs) fired? Just Cena. What is the highest ranking person? I mean, clearly like a McMahon or like a. Do you think Cena would get fired if they found out he was leaking? Absolutely not. No. That's the only, have, I think would, that's the only person. I don't even know if he would get formally suspended because most of their suspensions, their fines seem to be public relations measures, you know, just like yeah. we're going to like the Titus O'Neil thing was more of like a we're setting a precedent that you can't do this sort of thing on TV, set, sending a message to the other guys in the back. But like if they found out it was Cena, don't you think they would just call him in and just be like, literally, dude, you can never do this again or it's going to be a huge problem. But like it's better. Yeah. It's better if nobody knows. You know, it's way better if nobody knows. Um, and then the last match of the night, we gotta we gotta put a cap on this podcast, but I can't believe it's already been an hour. But uh, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins ends in a draw, according to Wikipedia. Who do? How do you think it's gonna end? Is it a draw? What is that? They both pin each other at the same time? No, I think it's just a time. Or I don't know. Do maybe double double count. Maybe they brawl to the back, and then they just um, got to. That makes the, that's a great booking decision. Yeah, because then you don't like have raw. <laughs> yeah, that's a great booking decision. And then are they doing like uh, something before SummerSlam? They have. Is there to, another right? pay per view? Yeah, yeah. On the new schedule, they're actually going to have seven pay per views between now and SummerSlam. <laughs> they're having seven elimination chambers until SummerSlam. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the. They're yeah. Battleground is the next one. No, no. Yeah, that's right. Battleground is the is the next pay per view. So that'll be. Um. I, they'll they'll definitely do some more stuff. I think that they Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins could be your SummerSlam main event. Or, well, we'll probably do Lesnar versus Reigns, right? Or like a oh yeah, I guess Lesnar is coming back. But if Lesnar are they going to book Lesnar in the main event with the potential that he might lose at UFC 200 and then be? I think the smartest thing would be like you could create a new start because if he loses or if he wins, either one, his opponent at UFC, I forget his name, Mark Hunt, then coming because he's like kind of like in his twilight years. At By UFC. the way, I kind of I I gave I don't I think I gave short shrift to Mark Hunt on my, on this podcast last week. I my the case that I was making is of the of the people who have name recognition in the heavyweight UFC heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. He's the he he was probably in my in my estimation the easiest guy for one amongst the easiest guys for Lesnar to get. It wasn't going to get the road's not going to get any easier for him. Well, I mean that's name what he recognition should, right? guys. But I talked to I talked to Ariel Hawani. I talked to some other people. There are people who are scared of Mark Hunt. He's in great shape. He's scary. He can looking. knock anybody out with one punch. Yeah, like, this is a real this is a real thing. That's, so he just looks like the guy you don't want to mess with in Florida or something. Well, know? or in Huntington Beach. Or I mean, in that's Huntington. The, that's, yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's, it's going to be an interesting fight. It would it would be well, really why great. Why would WWE sign Mark Hunt? That's what I'm thinking. I, like, I said it last week. He'd be oh, the perfect no, guy. That's right. Maybe I mean, the I person pro- knew it. I just stole from you. Yeah. The problem is that as I had various people text messaging me this week saying they already have Mark Hunt and it's either Samoa Joe or Kevin Owens. Like they, you know, they don't they don't need a different guy. Well, I but, mean, he would immediately make Mark Hunt like if he beat Lesnar and then interfered, he like Samoa Joe would be stuck in I agree NXT forever. What if they actually did an angle where Samoa Joe, where they told you know Samoa Joe came out and said, "I'm working, I'm going to be at UFC 200," and Shane or Stephanie or whoever it was came out and said. If you like, if you win at UFC 200, you're in the main event at SummerSlam, and if you lose, you're fighting Zack Ryder on the pre-show. 
Oh my god! <laughs> like they're not that, but like they could, they could, like they could actually do like a choose your own adventure where his victory or loss at UFC ha- it has could a be, bearing. I mean, they have to like that's the thing. If he, it's a weird thing where if he wins, he has to go over, but if he loses, he has to lose, right? Because Vince can't have him lose, lose at UFC and they then can lose the main re- event. Rehabilit- rehabilitating Brock Lesnar is is about the easiest task in the world, but you can't do it in the short in the amount of time between two hundred and SummerSlam. So no. yeah, it'll be a very interesting. It'll be an interesting thing. We gotta get. I mean, Heyman and him have to break up again, right? I mean, they did it too. They did it too fast the last time around, but now I feel like I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I could see a Brock Lesnar without Heyman, but like, unless you're actually gonna f five Heyman like through a table five times, I don't know what the. I don't know. From what I hear, Stephanie would have no problem with that. So. I mean, Heyman Heyman might have a problem with that. Heyman yeah. Heyman's spine might have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, but He's, yeah. Well, I really appreciate whoever edited the Money in the Bank uh, uh, Wikipedia it's, it's page. It's so believable that I'm thinking that that's how it ends. Well, I think that... How what, is it not on, like, Bleacher Report yet or something? Well, it might be. I mean, by the time that we actually... I, if, if I had the internet, I could tell you all about it. But uh, thankfully, it was on that page before it happened. Um, the I think this is just a... My computer is terrible situation. Yeah. Somehow we're going to have to get by without knowing the last six facts about Paul... El- El- the last six surprising facts about Paul Ellering. Don't Tune ha- in next week <laughs> for us we're reading. Gonna, we're going to have so many... We're going to have so many facts left over that next week's show is going to be just really incredible. Uh, any any parting thoughts about, about Raw, about NXT, about Money I'm in the Bank? I'm looking forward to the pay-per-view Sunday. Are we doing the live streaming thing on Sunday? I have no idea what we're going to do on Sunday. Don't, don't spoil it for everybody, but we oh, might, we might be... Around, okay, cool. Yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't know, know that answer. was a big reveal. Um, no, I, I know I'm excited for the pay per view, man. I think it's going to be. I think it's Money in the Bank pay per view. I mean, like I still think for my money, the best pay per view was the 2011. Like you know, in a long time, one where CM Punk won the Money in the Bank. So I'm, I'm excited to be not Money in the Bank, but he beat Cena in Chicago. So Money in the Bank and the, the Money in the Banks over the years, and we saw this in the two five, the oh five that we watched. We saw this in 2010, and it's I think it's every time. The ending is always a little bit of a letdown, you know. Because yeah. they, they they always for for a good reason they always slow it down a little bit so you get to enjoy the that last climb up the ladder but the, when you slow it down you just as a viewer you're expecting that uh, someone's going to come in and do something and that's why they're going slowly. Well, the last couple has been what Seamus was a letdown, Randy Orton which was let it, oh so sorry oh my god he's Jesus falling Christ. asleep right sorry, now guys. Jesus Christ uh, Randy Orton which was a. Uh, um, I mean, it ended up being the greatest thing ever because it set up that whole Daniel Bryan run. So. I really enjoyed it, yeah. But the win was very strange. Very, like, I think strange. I think I was running for Grantland and put him in like the like zero percent chance of winning. Category. Sandow was cool. That was cool when he won, but then that ended up turning into not great for him, I guess. But. The the now the now uh, indie the current indie wrestler Damian Sandow. Yeah, there hasn't been. What's your favorite? What do you think your favorite actual Money in the Bank match was? I mean, honestly, that 05 match was really, really good. It was really good. The I, fact that, I mean, just to see them. I told you I wanted to watch the first one specifically because I wanted to hear Michael Cole trying to explain money in the bank, but it was King. And, or was Michael Cole there too in 05? Um, Who did the, I don't was know. It, I think it I mean, was, it was, I think it was JR. And, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. I was trying to think of Cole was just randomly there too. Was it in that period? But anyway, it he was, was just standing in the corner for a contract. Just to hear, yeah, to hear, to hear JR explaining the money in the bank, or just to hear the announcer explaining the premise to a totally just like. I thought there was going to be like a video package beforehand, but they just explained the premise and then had it happen. Just have everybody run the match. And there and it was watching these wrestlers like fill it, like pulling all these like ladder stunts they've only heard about, you know, yeah. or like just trying out all this different stuff. 
It was Shelton Benjamin was doing stuff that nobody else was doing. That was Shelton Benjamin was the reason that those matches existed, basically. Yeah, you know, so I mean, good. he could do so much cool stuff, and then something happened. He got the yips, and nothing was ever the same again. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was that. Those matches were, were, were super cool. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything better than that. Oh five. I mean, it's I so like it's, some Mr. of it's Kennedy really hard. Some of the, because he did that. He did his finisher to which horn. one? I like the one where Mr. Kennedy won because he did the finisher to Hornswoggle off the top of the ladder. Oh yeah, and then they had the cool next night where he's like, "I'm cashing in at WrestleMania," and then cut to like four months later when Edge beats him in a match for it. Oh yeah, because he got hurt, right? Yeah, and I think it was like backstage stuff. Um, you're know, just a Mr. It? Kennedy, Mark, because he was on your other podcast. Ah, and he, he was one of my. He was the only wrestler that was on my other podcast. Guys, uh, thank you so much for listening this week. Uh, Money in the Bank this weekend. It's going to be. It's going. It thank you for it, having me. Th- thank you for coming. It was we'll fun. Think, we'll watch it together on or offline. And the uh, and I mean, it's going to be you know a WrestleMania level pay per view. That's apparently. right. Well, this I don't know if you knew this, but this was a WrestleMania level podcast. Really? This well, this episode. I'm putting I, myself over. I really appreciate you saying that, man. It felt <laughs> good to me too. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, thanks to the Ringer for uh, hosting this oh, wonderful thing. And, yeah. Uh, and, hey, uh, follow me on Twitter oh, at yeah. DS Germain, and I have a website. I also co- co-host two other podcasts: the Not Safe Podcast, My Dumb Friends. And my website it's all my live dates. I'm, I'm popping myself. And also, I'm doing a Randy Savage roast next Tuesday. Is he thinking? You know, he, that's, that's, he's dead, right? Yeah. Well, we're just gonna we're bringing out the urn or no? I mean, like they do a historical roast for dead people, and Is, we're, they're doing one at Nerd Melt for Randy Savage. Okay. So. I might have to check this out. Where is it? It's going to be at the Nerd, nerd Melt, nerd, Nerdist. It's where they do Meltdown. Oh, it's here in L.A. It's here in L.A. Oh, wow. So it's, I can put you on the list, David. No charge. I would love that. I can even, I have a $40 the, credit. Uh, wait, I don't know. I don't need more. <laughs> I thought I had $40 credit for comic books there. But um, they have a couple This is the perks of hosting a wrestling podcast. Exactly. I, can, I can be on the list for, you a, get to, <laughs> to, watch, to watch people make jokes about a dead dude. That's yeah, a, you get to see all my Coco Beware jokes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I've heard a lot of your Coco Beware jokes. It's really not good. Prime, prime material. Prime material. Uh, you can follow me at David Shoemaker on Twitter. Check out theringer.com. It's a website that exists and it's uh, it's really awesome. I've been like doing the art direction and doing a lot of the actual art for it. So uh, it's great. That's really, it has you're, nothing. You're the Renaissance man of the dot com era. Um, yeah, I'm no precious Paul Ellering, but I'm okay. You know, I do. Have a good weekend, humanoids. Enjoy money in the bank. <laughs>